moment when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals even in the slowest of times in the NFL schedule there are some headlines with one of their former greats putting some emotional thoughts out there for all of us to digest I'm Anthony Cazenza he is John Sheeran and this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast happy to be uh, chatting Bengals and joining you all this week uh we're, we're ramping up the content we've got some new stuff coming out and hopefully you've been seeing not only some stuff that we've been doing on this show but three and out on the um on the youtube channel from kevin and jason and of course the stuff across the cincy jungle podcast channel john how are you how was your fourth bud fourth is great never never a bad time when you're by a pool drinking some some beverages but it's going good, man. It's always a nice week with the holiday. My mom's birthday is tomorrow, so I'm taking tomorrow off. And then it's my birthday. And then this podcast will officially be two very old young men kind of talking <laughs> bangles instead of a, a kid and a young old man. So, yeah, it's good. It's been a good week, man. How, how about you? Happy happy early birthday to both of you. Um, yeah, so uh, it's been a busy week. And I was telling you a little bit, I was kind of hunker down in front of the computer today doing a lot of different stuff and a lot of it hopefully for this you know for this show and this channel this week so we've got a lot of stuff coming at you as things are ramping up like i said but uh, i'm doing i'm doing pretty well my birthday's not coming up like yours my friend but uh i'm doing i'm doing well regardless but i hope everybody had a good safe fourth um had some fun and we've we've got a couple of big things on tap we'll talk about a couple of things but the big, the big, big news, and I want to give credit where credit is due because this, um, you know, some of the quotes and whatnot that we're going to talk about is from Paul Daner Jr. of The Athletic. Um, I believe it was a, uh, both a podcast and a sit down type of type of situation, if I'm not mistaken. But there were some very poignant statements being made by one Corey Dillon. And it wasn't, to be fair, and we're going to talk about a lot of things with Corey Dillon, um, not only about these comments, but we're going to look back at his career and we're going to see uh, we've got some stuff to look at and we're going to see where he kind of sits within it all uh, in the NFL sphere in team history and all of that. But we'll, we'll talk about some of the quotes. I mean, uh, some of it is just like, wow, can't probably say, or I guess we could say all of it, but I don't know if we want to, (laughs) Um, but a very scathing um, emotional, set of quotes from Corey Dillon in speaking with Paul Daner Jr. about his place within the Cincinnati Bengals and the NFL and really the New England Patriots too. He's kind of took them to task as well. Yeah, he didn't leave them out either, which I mean, yeah, yeah, no one was not, left unscathed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's, I mean, we talked about it before the show, like it's kind of just who he is. It's not necessarily a Cincinnati or New England thing. It's just a me versus the world kind of thing. And it was literally just him versus the world when he played for the Bengals. Like, 
everyone who watched the team at that time remembers just how stacked up defenses were against him for the first however many years of his career when he was dealing with almost like a dozen quarterbacks under center handing the ball off to him 25 times a game against seven eight man boxes which was more or less the norm back in you know the late 90s early 2000s football but especially with the Bengals and how unbalanced that offense was just handing him the rock and he just turned out thousand yard season after thousand yard season after thousand yard season one of the greatest rushers of the football in Bengals history arguably the greatest rusher if you want to get into that point but that was kind of how his career was going and in these past few years we've seen more support from like Bengal Jim and other fans trying to get recognition for these great players from the NFL or from the Bengals to get into the ring of honor. Corey Dillon's just taking it upon himself. You know, it's, it's not like any good faith here. It's like, no, I was a beast. I was one of your greatest players. No one's talking about me, or at least no one's talking about me as much as they should be talking about me. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about me. And like, apparently the whole thing was Paul Diener Jr. Reached out to Corey to talk about one of his former teammates and he just took it upon himself as this opportunity to say, you know what? I have a message. The whole system for voting for the Ring of Honor is BS. And I think there's, I don't want to say truth, but I understand where he's coming from. But he also kind of contradicts himself. And one of these quotes, Anthony, really sticks out to me. Uh, it was actually one of the last quotes in the article. It was, quote, did I not play? And don't make this a Cincinnati thing because I'm about to get, get on the Pats bleep too. It's coming. I'm coming for it all. Give it to me while I'm breathing. If anybody wants to disagree, just look at the effing numbers and have a Coke and smile. Give it to me while I'm breathing. My guy, you just reached everyone else's conclusion without even realizing it. The reason why Ken Riley was voted into the Ring of Honor in the first place, in, in the first class, is because he wasn't breathing when that happened. The reason why Isaac, Isaac Curtis got in is because, again, he was one of those founding rates of the Bengals football that deserved well recognition well past due Corey Dillon is like still middle age like he played in the 2000s there's a long line of other Bengals here who deserve this recognition deserve this credit and one of his beefs Anthony Anthony was that he doesn't like the whole process of season ticket holders voting even with those some of the season ticket holders never saw him play that if, he, if they never saw Corey Dillon play they definitely didn't see Ken Riley or Isaac Curtis play but yeah, they got it yeah, why yeah. is like one yeah. of the showers those guys who came first who may or may not have the opportunity to actually see this happen i don't think anyone has said that Corey dylan doesn't deserve this opportunity or deserve this recognition it comes in time if this was done like 10 years after the ring of honor opened and he still wasn't in i would probably understand his grievances more but this happened two years after this whole thing whole thing started this seems like it stems from a lot more than just oh it's been two years i need to get in right now like what, what's going on here there is so much to unpack with this dude i mean i i I, I look actually, oddly enough, I look at Willie Anderson because Willie Anderson, we talked about it, I think, on last week's show that he has been putting out some info that a lot of these guys that were either on his teams or before kind of in the 90s, guys that he knows, don't really know about all the good changes, the positive changes that is going on with the Bengals or that has gone on over the last handful of years. And maybe Corey Dillon is or is not privy to that. By the way, side note, you mentioned his name, Bengal Jim, and we're talking about this player. Bengal Jim is having Corey Dillon on the show this Sunday night. Ooh. So you're going to want to tune into that one for sure. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, I actually got a little text from, from Jim today. He's all like, that's going to make for an interesting show. I think now uh, this, <laughs> this week. So looking forward to that one, for sure. You're going to want to tune into his YouTube channel. And of course our, our audio channel to get that. But 
Regardless, here's so here's the thing with this. Number one, it's not like there are a, a slew of other running backs, Bengals running backs, making the ring of honor in front of him. There are quarterbacks. There was the founder of the team. There are guys like him who either are Hall of Famers or are fringe or, you know, kind of have this argument to be in the Hall of Fame and have not gotten that recognition. So you got two Hall of Famers now in Ken Riley and Anthony Munoz. You should have another in Ken Anderson who's made it. And then, of course, Willie Anderson has his own solid, solid argument to be a Hall of Fame uh, offensive tackle. And Isaac Curtis was, you know, I mean, we've go go back and listen to the Ken Anderson interview we had with with him calling him Jerry Rice before there was Jerry Rice. So, I mean, it, the, these are kind of like you mentioned, these are foundational players, guys that were, you know, even before Corey Dillon. And it's not like his position, the guys from his position have been just, you know, rampantly put in there. And everything. And look, I mean, he's he he says it a little bit. He self-admitted that maybe some of the things that he has done, um, you know, the the throwing of the pads in the stands in this fine, you know, one of his final games, and you know, uh his, you know, I'd rather flip burgers and all this kind of stuff, you know, all of that. I mean, people remember that kind of stuff, unfortunately. It hurt that kind of stuff hurt Terrell Owens in his bid to be a first ballot hall of famer, right? I mean, that's that it's not really fair, especially because T.O. really, I mean, his, the, the main thing was there's some questions about his teammates and, you know, what he, what he did or didn't do with the media, but I mean, he was a hall of fame guy. And here we are also a guy around his same time, a little younger, Chad Johnson. He, he has this exact same gripe and argument as well, um, or should, or could have the same exact gripe and argument as well because he did a ton for this team continues to be a great ambassador for this team made multiple pro bowls had was was putting up numbers in bad years and was putting up numbers in good years and all of that so i i, I see what you're saying there um there's more to unpack and i'll talk about that in, in a little bit but really i mean i i think while he has some some he's some self-admitted issues in his past that I think have, have hurt him in this process. He does have a legitimate gripe. And here's, here's where I think there's, there's legitimacy, John. Unfortunately, the Bengals were just late to this ring of honor process. And if, if the Bengals were not late to the ring of honor process and had this unveiled years and years and years ago, Dylan's already in and maybe doesn't come out with this scathing thing. He's got to wait his turn. That's just kind of how it is based on the players who've made it in, in front of him and how late to the game the Bengals were with a ring of honor. Yeah. In a perfect world, everyone who deserves it would just get in immediately. But I mean, it's, it's more special when you have, you know, individualized classes or just smaller classes. So it's a bigger moment for those individuals to get in when you have both, you know, uh, Willie Anderson and Isaac Curtis sharing the field on like a primetime game. It's really cool to have those special moments. I, I, I like the fact that they keep it kind of exclusive going by a couple years at a time. Mm-hmm. But, but the thing is like, Everyone recognizes who Corey Dillon was. Yeah, sure. There are some Bengals fans who might be a little upset how things ended. Right. But like everyone who watched him knew how good he is. Nothing about that is twisted at all. And I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Like his whole perception of what the ring of honor is, is, is very misguided at at this point because he says this ain't a popularity contest. Well, no, Isaac Curtis is not the fourth most popular Bengals player of all time. This is really just making up for, for something that was completely overdue and that it's a shame that it's kind of gotten to this point. But right now the, the Bengals ring of honor is almost a vehicle for just getting these guys recognition well past due from what, from when they should have gone. And yes, Corey Dillon 
is on that list of guys who deserve more recognition from a national sense. But again, like I think the fact that he only played 20 years ago instead of 50 years ago probably probably leads into that. And you're right. Chad Johnson played right after that. And he has probably he probably had an even better, better Bengals career when you add up all the numbers and everything. You don't hear him kind of complain because I, I think everyone knows that Chad's going to get in too. Maybe because I, I honestly think at this point, like just playing on those Bengals teams when he didn't have a lot of success and then leaving and winning the Super Bowl with the Patriots, I think just that's left a really bad taste in Corey's mouth. Just like just years of just grinding out those yards with very little wins to yeah. show for it. I yeah. think he feels like he's he's earned this moment as soon as possible. And again, like his personality is just wanted to just, you know, just say these things and not really hold back with the filter. And, and what we talked about before we took the air, he has from day one, he has always been, and it, it fueled his career um, in a, in a very, very, very good way. He has always been the chip on the shoulder guy. He was drafted in the second round when he thought he should have been a first round back. He was overlooked for pro bowls and obviously on some terrible, terrible teams. He took shots at some of his former quarterbacks in the, in this, in these quotes as well. Um, And, and granted, we know that the Bengals were in a bad way for a number of years at the quarterback position. And he, he was kind of a little bit of a sacrificial lamb in a way because of that. So, I mean, I, I get all of that, but um, I mean, this is this is who he has been from day one. He, he he was drafted in the second round out of Washington. He probably should have been a first round running back in that in that class. There were some questions. I think I can't remember what it was. If it was injuries or character or what, you know, whatever. Regardless, he was a first round talent as he showed, and he did not get drafted there. Then, you know, I mean, he gets bypassed from other running backs that may or may not be his contemporaries in that era. Um, but, you know, and then and then it goes to now where he, you know, he, I'll show the Bengals, I'll win a Super Bowl and all this kind of stuff. And then now we've, we've got this most recent example. The other problem, John, it's not just Corey Dillon. And we're going to take a look at the numbers here. It's not just that Corey Dillon uh, was on was on bad Bengals teams and it just was, was overlooked because of that. Willie Anderson was a, a little bit of the same thing here. They played in an era like Willie Anderson played in an era where right tackle wasn't as focused on as the left tackles, right? We've t- talked about that ad nauseum. He played in an era where it was kind of a golden age for running backs. You had the tail end towards the end of uh, the beginning of his career, the tail end of Emmett Smith. You know, you had Edger and James, you had, you know, Corey Dillon, you had Eddie George, you had Fred Taylor. I mean, that division alone, Jerome Bettis, you had guys that were perennial, perennial, 1200 plus, 10 touchdown plus, including himself. 1200 yard plus 10 touchdown plus backs. And so it's the same thing we saw and what Chad Johnson is is experiencing in his own right with, with getting in as a receiver, he's going up against Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and Terrell Owens and all these other guys that it's like, Hey, these, these are guys that are also hall of fame worthy. They're getting in, they got to get in now. And unfortunately because of a lack of team success, that that hurts him a little bit and, and other factors too. But I think that's a big part as to why, and it's not a knock on Corey Dillon's abilities. It's the fact that that was like a golden time for running backs in the NFL and especially in the, the AFC and his division, the old AFC central slash AFC North. Yeah. And like, I think it's him and Fred Taylor who have similar production compared to a bunch of other hall of fame backs. And they still are just waiting their term for the Hall of Fame, but at least Corey Dillon does have a ring. He was a crucial part of yep. that Patriots se- season. I-, I just want to know. I-, I really do want to know. Like, d- d- did John Kidna and Scott Mitchell wake up this morning and expect this? 
Because like, <laughs> it's about. I, I think unfortunately, poor Scott Mitchell. I I, I don't know if he expects it, but he's probably not surprised by it, right? Because all right, because I I read the title of this article, or like read it on Twitter. I'm like, oh, is he gonna like reveal some dirt about like the Bengals organization? But this quote uh, just made me cackle. Quote: It's about what is your excuse going to be? I'm pretty sure they'll put effing John Kitten in there before they put me in. Matter of fact, Scott Mitchell will end up in that mother effort before I do. Like, are, are Bengals fans going to vote Scott Mitchell in now? Or like, are, are we going to be petty about this? Like, I, don't, I don't know because I, I don't know what his goal is here. Like, does he he clearly does care about the recognition. I don't know. If this is the way to go about it, because, again, there were a lot of fans who are really endearing towards his career and just the way that things kind of ended. And the fact that he doesn't get a lot of respect. I don't know. This is the way they get to garner that support, though, because, because again, guess what gets back up, what gets brought back up, John, when you when he when he comes out with this, it's all the stuff at the end of the Bengals career. It's when you talk about Palmer and he's in even if he's gushing over Joe Burrow, it's the same stuff that everybody talks about at the uh, how he exited. So unfortunately, when he comes out, you know, both barrels blazing at everyone, not just the Bengals. Bengals fans remember some of that stuff at the end. Right. Yeah. I, th- there were there were ways to do this. I don't think this was the right way to do it, but it's entertaining. <laughs> so it's entertaining. I'm going to share this with with everybody here. This is um, a little uh, thing we we put together on his career. So hopefully you can see this here. Obviously, one of if not, I mean, uh, there's arguments to be had that he is the best running back in Bengals history. Rudy Johnson had some produ- productive years. James Brooks was awesome. Um, you know, Pete Johnson is the uh, the team's touchdown leader in general. So, I mean, they've they've had a lot of good, good players, good, good running backs. And obviously, Dylan has kind of, for for fair or not, has kind of wallowed in this Hall of Fame limbo. So here's some of the here's some of the stats. Uh, 2,618 rushing attempts, uh, 1865 of those with Cincinnati, 11,241 rushing yards, over 8,000 of those with Cincinnati. 82 rushing touchdowns, 45 of those with Cincinnati, which actually, you know, when you only spent three years in, in New England and, and almost split that, that's pretty impressive. 4.3 yards per carry, uh, 244 catches, 192 with Cincinnati, almost 2,000 yards, just over 1,900 receiving yards in his career, 1,482 with Cincinnati, uh, seven reception TDs, five of those with Cincinnati. And you know what, John, as you look back on, I didn't take a picture or a snapshot of his, you know, line line itemed uh stats but you know for for a good handful of six seven years including that first one with the patriots there was an immense amount of consistency uh four especially in the rush yards per carry 4.3 in his career was like 4.2 in new england and 4.3 in cincinnati so there is a lot of consistency in Corey dillon's career for about you know six seven years that you know towards the beginning of his career and and you know the early mid 2000s it was you know, a, a sight to behold. Here's some of the, the accolades, and I didn't get to all of them, but these are some of the major ones. Four-time Pro Bowl selection. He set the rookie rushing record in 1997, 246 yards. Set the single-game rushing record in 2001 with 278. That has since been broken twice, but set that. Bengals rookie season record for rushing yards, uh, 1129. Patriots single-season rushing uh, rush yards, 1635. He's number 20 in rushing yards in NFL history. And we'll talk more about that in a second at, at 11,241, number 18 in rushing touchdowns in NFL history with 82. He was a champ in Super Bowl. Uh, what is that? Uh, I think it was 30, 35 um, or 36 uh, PFWA all rookie team. And look, uh, the other thing with him too, um, you know, I think he's, he's definitely up there in franchise history for, um, you know, uh, 
rushing yards and you know touchdowns and all that. I mean, he's he's got a lot of of accolades to his name. Now, what you want to what you want to look at here? I'm gonna uh, fast forward, or here we go. These I may pause this here just so we get a look. This is from Pro Football Reference. Um, if you look at it, he's at the bottom there. He got you may, maybe cut off a little bit. Let me see if I can shrink this down a little bit so you can see that. Um, but he's number 20 and you look at it. 19 is John Riggins in the hall of fame. Thurman, this is for rushing yards. Um, Edger and James, you know, uh, hall of fame, Marshall Falk, Jim Brown, Tony Durso, basically every other guy in front of him with Fred Taylor's having this same argument, by the way, um, is, is in the hall of fame, uh, in, in, or is probably set to be in the hall of fame. So he is right there in terms of rushing yards. And then let's, uh, let's flip it over to rush. Uh, this is rushing touchdowns. Here he is 82. Um, that puts him 18th. And again, you see the names, Emmett Smith, LaDainia Tomlinson, Marcus Allen, Adrian Peterson. I mean, those are the guys in front of him and these are all hall of fame guys. So he is there and you think, I mean, interesting guy there too. I don't know what to make about priest Holmes, right? That's a name where you go. Hmm. That's an intriguing one. Marshawn Lynch, probably going to get in. And then of course, uh, you know, Frank Gore. So he's kind of right on that cusp and he's right there. And basically every single guy in front of him is in the hall of fame in these two major statistical categories. And then if you say, well, he never won. Well, he had the super bowl with new England. Yeah. A lot of these arguments, I mean, you just change rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. You change it's like completion percentage and adjusted net yards per attempt in that area. It's basically the Ken Anderson argument because yep. he's he's also in the company of basically every other Hall of Fame quarterback and he's not in it. And that was the whole that's what people have been spouting about with Ken Anderson for years now. And it's what made his ring of honor case very clear. I think the difference here, man, is it's just the it's just the years in the 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 state of the franchise that both of these guys played. If you want to compare the two, I guess, because Ken Anderson obviously went to a Super Bowl. He experienced winning with the team and Corey Dillon was playing during, you know, the, the dark ages of the team. Right. And he was, he was dominant during that. And I think that's still left a lot. And honestly, man, like it, it's, it's amazing what that, I don't want to say pettiness, but it, it's a lot of maybe resentment after seven years with the team 1800 career carries with the Bengals, I believe. And then he just turns out 1600 yards and 12 touchdowns on like 350 carries with the Patriots. 2000 carries is usually what we now know is like the running back wall. And he just ran through that wall with like an iron fist. So he was clearly built different. Chip I think on that's, the shoulder. Like that's, that's just his hall of fame case right there, right? He's one of the most powerful and lasting running backs that we've ever seen with our own two eyes. And everyone knew this, right? Maybe we just didn't talk about it enough because, again, there are other players who also deserve the spotlight. And it's just a long line that we have to get to because the Bengals have put this off for so long. So, you know what? Maybe this is the only way, right? If no one's going to take this seriously, maybe Corey Dillon has to get on his soapbox and make it and make a thing out of this. I, I don't know what the end result is going to be, but I kind of at this point, I kind of want him to be inducted on his own as like a WWE villain and everyone's kind of booing him in the stadium, but maybe that's what he wants, man. Maybe, maybe he kind of feeds off that. I, I, I hope this all works out for him because he does deserve all of all the recognition that he wants. I just don't know how Bengals fans are going to take this. To be honest. We are, we are for sure in agreement that he belongs in the Bengals ring of honor at some point. 
does in your estimation, given some of those numbers, I know it's kind of a snapshot. Is he a hall of famer with that resume in your, in your book? I think not, not now, but eventually. Yeah. Like it's stupid, right? It's, it's, it's weird how we got like thinking this way, like in my mind, like Geno Atkins is going to make the hall of fame, but he's not going to make it anytime soon. And I think that's honestly just the case with Dylan, like as deserving as he is, there are so many other deserving players who either played before him or had even better careers that deserve to go in beforehand because it's just this weird, you know, it's almost like a pol- politic uh, thing that it's just like, who's, who's in the pecking order who deserves to go in first. I think Corey Dillon eventually should get in, but I just don't know when that is, man. You look back to the old AFC central. I mentioned the names, Corey Dillon, Eddie George, Fred Taylor, Jerome Bettis. That was, those were the running backs in that division. Um, all of which have, you know, kind of Hall of Fame elements. Maybe uh, George was a beast in his own right, but I, I don't know that there's as much clamoring for him into the Hall of Fame as some of those other guys. And of course, Bettis is in. Um, and then you look at the, after the realignment. I mean, you you just insert Jamal Lewis in there, who had you know a five six year run of uh, he he was the first first guy to break Dylan's single game rushing record, right? So I mean, they just for that time and that division in particular. They had great running backs. And when the other teams, your Ravens, your Steelers, your Jaguars that were making AFC championship games, those are the guys that were getting more attention and more talk at that point. And I, I still think it eats at him, obviously, based on the, the words that he <laughs> decided to use this week. What a, what a phone conversation. I would love to I would love to, uh, oh my talk God. to Paul about I think it was like oh 20 minutes of just this, and he had no idea that it was coming, and he, he got an article out of it. So Good job by him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully we can get him on um, the show soon. He does great work for The Athletic there. So um, great article, and obviously that got a lot of attention today, and we'll continue to this week. That is for sure. I, I will say just to kind of, you know, begin to wrap it up a little bit, you know, uh, you kind of share my sentiment with it, not to be non-contrarian, but I mean, I I think he's got a Hall of Fame resume. Uh, and I think, you know, people have to start taking into account that the lack of Pro Bowls and all pros is not just an indictment of other talented players around them. It's it was, you know, a, a bad football team for a number of years. It's the Willie Anderson thing. Those two guys have Hall of Fame resumes and they deserve to get in. And, um, you know, hopefully that people start waking up a little bit. I think it'll take Corey Dillon, someone like Corey Dillon longer than it would Willie Anderson. Um and then, you know, we're going to be back uh, probably again, like you said, Geno Atkins is going to be in that uh, in that argument. And then, you know, I, I'm really interested to see. We know Chad's going to get into the ring of honor as well. Um, I'm really interested to see what happens with with him in, the, in, in a Hall of Fame. You know, does he become one of those veterans guys, one of the guys down the road that that gets in because immensely productive. But, you know, the team, while they were good, they were never great um, when, when he was here. So. I'm really interested to see what happens with 85 in that front too. Can you think of two more opposite Hall of Fame players than Corey Dillon and Geno Atkins? Can you imagine <laughs> Geno Atkins calling a Bengals reporter and just bad mouthing like I'm the greatest, I'm the best? Like, yeah, I think I have no idea who would who would do Geno Atkins <laughs> Hall of Fame speech. Um, you know, yeah. would he would he have Zimmer do it? I don't know. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Because he's such a, you know, quiet, I don't want to say aloof, but, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't really seeking out cameras and microphones. He was not He that was guy. avoiding them like the plague. Yes. Yes. That's, 
That's for sure. Well, Corey, I haven't got to talk about Corey Dillon on this show in quite some time, and now we dedicated almost 30 minutes to him. So uh, 28, fantastic player, one of my favorite players really to ever wear a Bengals uniform and to watch. Uh, probably my favorite guy for a number of years on that team to watch too. Just an immense, immense player um, and, and you know, kind of continuing to make some comments at, at a lot of different people. But uh, I, I do wish him well. I wish him, you know, in the ring of honor and hopefully, you know, his place in the in the Hall of Fame, because I do think he's got a resume worthy worthy of it for sure. And uh, hey, maybe like you said, maybe this is shaking the trees that and, and wake up calls to people that that need him. But uh, anyway, go check out that article from Paul Daner, Jr. of The Athletic. Great, great writer and uh, cover man for the Cincinnati Bengals. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We're going to get to a potential breakout player in just a little bit. We've got some cool stuff coming for you. Potentially this, I think it's going to be this weekend on the on the YouTube channel. So that means you have to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We do have exclusive content on our YouTube channel that always isn't isn't always available on the audio side. So uh, if you're new here, welcome. Please hit subscribe. Click the bell to be notified when we go live and when new content is available. And uh, give us a thumbs up on this video or other videos if you like what we're doing. We appreciate that. And of course, if you like uh, listening to your podcast on the audio side of things, you can get this show. You can get Talking Football with Bengal Jim and Friends. Like I mentioned, they're going to be joined by Corey Dillon this Sunday. So that'll be an interesting conversation, to say the least. Go check out their YouTube channel and, and uh, uh, also our audio channel along with Coach Speak and Chalk Talk with Matt Minnick and 3 and Out with Jason and Kevin all on your favorite audio streamers, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of them, we are there and findable. So uh, give us a subscribe that way too. Let's move on uh we're, we're doing we're doing mega segments i guess today you know what one segment is like 30 minutes and i don't know how long, however long this one's gonna go but whatever uh that's that's what we do here we we yak and pretend like we know what we're talking about um so a guy i pegged you know it's one of those again where it's like well is this a reach i don't know i i looked back uh, a couple of years ago and the Bengals made a big splashy move and we actually had him on the show, which was pretty cool, uh, for Trey Waynes. And Trey Waynes was a guy that, you know, first-round pick, had a couple of nice seasons with Minnesota. There was some injury stuff. But, I mean, that was a big 
that was kind of one of the that, that was he and DJ Reader were the start of the big free agency forays in outside free agency for the Bengals. Unfortunately, Trey Waynes, to the chagrin of many, did not uh, materialize. But there was a player who was kind of an afterthought who ended up stepping in and having to start really for the better part of two years because of injuries to different uh, different cornerbacks. Um, and then, you know, some, some youth behind him. And that was, that was Eli Apple. So Eli Apple was a guy, you know, we all know the story behind him. He was a guy that kind of bounced around a little bit, a former high pick, really kind of an up and down career and really steadied himself and played, um, you know, pretty decent and solid football for the Bengals. Uh, and really was a nice, nice bandaid over that whole Trey Wayne situation. Um, you know, his injury. And I, I think he retired, right. Didn't Wayne's retire from football. So, um, yeah, so it was a nice. I mean, you you remember John? I mean, this was one of those kind of reclamation prog projects, so to speak. Former high pick, they know the talents there. Can you mine it out? And Lou Anarumo sure as hell did that. And now they've decided to go a different route and another player with a very similar career arc. Um, and he's a guy that is probably not going to start, but he might be your cb4 maybe step in when needed and be out on the field here and there maybe he's kind of the guy that um uh steps a little bit into the trey flowers role and, and mixes and matches with some different people and that is going to be um sydney jones and sydney jones i can there's an argument to be had that oh man he's fringe roster he may not even make the team and there's an argument to be had that he could do some things a la Eli Apple, right? He could kind of be one of those guys that has a nice career renaissance. And really, this is all about the Lou Anarumo effect. PFF just ranked Lou Anarumo as the league's best defensive coordinator based on what he has done with the Cincinnati Bengals, based on what he has done in the postseason and points allowed or lack thereof. And this is a guy who will benefit greatly under the tutelage of Lou Anarumo. Here's uh, just some... Um, you know, some, some snapshot stats, 154 total tackles was drafted in the second round of 2017, 115 of those 154 tackles are solo, only four tackles for loss, four interceptions over the course of a handful of years. Didn't have any last year passes defended. I did like this number, especially for a guy that was in and out of the lineup, 30 of those, but just one last year, one forced fumble, um, 2022 passer rating allowance, I think was 85.7. So that's a little high. But the Bengals are banking on, you know, kind of these middle numbers of the PFF scores that you see throughout his career. 50.7 was a rookie, 47.5, yikes. Then you get to 63.5 and into the 70s and, and whatnot. So that's kind of what they're banking on to get out of this guy. This was his RAS score, 5.73. So nothing real great there. He does have decent size. He's about six feet, 190-ish, good speed, 4.47. Um, so, you know, you see there the speed grade is good. It's really more the explosion and all of that that was poor. Size is okay. So, I mean, there's things you like about him. He's a productive kid out of Washington. Here's a nice play. I think this is a back shoulder throw from Trevor Lawrence. He turns around and kind of tips it away. Here's an interception off Aaron Rodgers. Reads it nice. I think this is it again. Nice, nice play there. Nice tackle in space right there. Uh, I think that's a tackle for loss. And here's A.J. Green knocking a ball away in the end zone there. So that's a nice play. And then he picks on A.J. Green again and uh, picks one off here against Arizona. And one final one from Trevor Lawrence uh, steps in and almost picks up, picks off that. I think that was Trevor Lawrence's rookie year. So maybe he had a little bit of a propensity to stare down and obviously not the same guy that he was in his second year. So there's some nice plays in there. I mean, there's nothing, you know, not a ton of film and not a lot of ton of stuff to work with. But you can see there, I mean, there's there's some athleticism there. There's some ball skills there. 
There's some uh, stickiness. Uh, I did notice on that play to AJ Green where he knocked it away in the end zone. You know, he's getting a little handsy. Um, and, and, you know, there's some jersey pulling there that maybe could have been called. But all in all, I mean, I think this is a good depth guy. I think this is one of those guys where if, you know, um, God forbid there is an injury to one of the top guys or there's a setback in Cheeto's recovery or something like that, this becomes an important guy like Eli Apple was. So, um, you know, is he going to, you know, give you, you know, a, a Reggie Nelson effect? I know it's a different position, but, you know, right away give you a Reggie Nelson effect and multiple interceptions and all this kind of stuff. No. But I think he could be a nice piece as a part of the whole, especially in what may be one of his – I mean, he's bounced around a lot. This may be one of his last chances um, to really latch on to a team, and this coach is really one of his best, if not his best chance, to really spark a renaissance in his career. Yeah, his career has been interesting. Uh, he was I, – I mean, Bengals and first-round cornerbacks are kind of synonymous. He wasn't a first-round cornerback, but he may have Almost. been had he, had he not uh, suffered. I believe it was an Achilles injury, or it was, it was either a knee or an Achilles. I think it was like right – uh, after the combine that uh, greatly obviously impacted his draft status. And he was a second round pick with the Eagles and he never really got going uh, with, with them. He didn't really look the part until he got to Jacksonville in 2020, but he was only there for a year. It was 2021 with the Seahawks, which I believe was where that clip was. Um, it, it was against the, the Jags. He ended up starting uh, after week four for the Seahawks and he played like 730 snaps. He ended up with a coverage grade for uh, PFF of 69.2. And something that was interesting, and this was found by um, uh, Neil Engelberger, who was a great follow on Twitter. If you still have a, uh, if you can still see tweets, Sidney Jones has always graded above <laughs> sixty-four in zone, but he was very more inconsistent in man coverage, according to PFF's grading chart. The Bengals obviously play a lot of different coverages, but for the most part, it's a lot of off coverage for their cornerbacks. And also, Sidney Jones is a really good tackler, as we saw in some of those clips as well. He only had six missed tackles in 2021, which, again, which is like the only season that he was, in any sense, like a full-time starter. He had six missed tackles compared to 57 tackles. So that's a missed tackle rate of 8.3%. Consistently great tackler over the course of his career, despite not being built like a like a thick cornerback. I think he's like six foot, 180 pounds. He's never like the greatest athlete either, but always consistently make great breaks in the balls. and always was able to square up and make a good tackle, which is very like the Bengals don't employ cornerbacks who can't tackle like that. That was, that's one of the reasons why Trey Waynes was identified in the first place. But if you can't yeah. tackle, you're probably not going to see the field in the Bengals defense. And I think that was the, the, no good. No, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Like that, that's just an, an identifier for them. Like 27 year old free agent who was drafted high. He fits all these different qualities that they look for in defensive backs. It made total sense why they signed him it's just a matter of what his role is if he if he could even carve out a role like you're pretty confident in where the cornerback room is right now and now Sidney Jones looks like he's going to fill a role that I think Eli Apple probably should have had in these past two years right the emergency cornerback who plays maybe a couple hundred snaps in a season because of injuries instead of being out there for you know close to 800 800 or a thousand snaps as a full-time starter you don't know if you're going to get a consistent player in Sidney Jones if he plays 16 17 games in the season but he has all the qualities that Luna Ruma identifies in defensive backs and cornerbacks he's still young enough he's still athletic enough and he's been relatively injury free in recent years I guess his uh, tenure in Seattle um, kind of ended unexpectedly and ended up not doing so well with the Raiders which is why they didn't bring him back and he was free agent in the first place but a lot of boxes that were checked with Sidney Jones and it makes the total sense why he would be cornerback number four this year 
I just want I bring this back up, this graphic back up because we we glossed over it a little bit. What you were referencing in terms of uh, you know kind of becoming a starter in Seattle and, sh- and turning the corner. These are PFF overall scores, not coverage, but the the sixty three point five in the third year, sixty eight point one in the fourth year, and then he shot up to seventy seventy point two overall. Uh, it, you know, in 2021, I think it was, and then had a big dip last year. But I mean, you see that the that the talent is there. And here's the thing: I mean, in in the past too, he was asked to start, and that's not really, I mean, an emergency starter here. That's not really what what his role will be or is envisioned to be here. It's the Bengals have kind of been on the forefront of these, you know, super core of wide receivers where you're three, four receivers deep, and you got to have multiple defensive backs, multiple corners out there three, four, five deep that can run with and play with a lot of different receivers. Um, and we've seen that in the postseason. There the teams are kind of stacking up the weaponry like the Bengals built with with Chase Higgins in in Boyd. So uh, you know I think that like you said, aside from him checking a lot of physical boxes and and you know skill set boxes, it's also just hey he's he's an able corner and if he's out there covering the fourth, you know, the fourth wide out, the third wide out, that sort of thing. Um, you know, that's, that's a, that's a plus for us. This guy started in the league. It's a plus for us. Yeah. I think uh, compared to Eli Apple, he's at the very least like a, like net zero change. I think like at the very least, I, I think if anything, he's probably, probably an upgrade. Now, again, durability that matters. Like, can you stay on the field? Cause Eli Apple was pretty durable with the Bengals. He rarely ran into a lot of injury issues. Then that's kind of been what's, what's hindered Sidney Jones's, NFL career, despite being drafted in the, in the second round, but again, if he makes the team, and that, that's that's a whole other thing, right? You had a really good camp out of uh, DJ Ivy, who's going into training camp pretty mm-hmm. hot. You still have Alan George, a cornerback. You still have Jalen Davis, who I think mm-hmm. signed a two-year extension or whatever. So you have a deep cornerback room, which is where you want to be. But if he does make the team, like it's just inevitable. We talked about this with Emmanuel Forbes as a potential first-round target. Cornerback depth is going to get tested throughout the season, and he's probably going to end up playing at least like 100 or 200 snaps this season, pretty significant snaps too, and like pretty important games like that is just, that's going to happen. And I think based off of just the tape that's most recent and situations where, you know, his skill set fits what the defense is asking him to do. I think he fits pretty well in the Bengals defense. And this is a vet minimum signing. Again, if he gets cut, it has no impact on the salary cap or anything. He can probably even be brought back on the practice squad if it ends up like that. And if he is cut, Again, that, that that's probably a good sign for both Alan George and DJ Ivy, like doing really well in the preseason. But obviously, Sydney's going to play a ton in the preseason. You're not going to see uh, Wuzier. You're not going to see Taylor Bird. You're not going to see Mike Hilden very much out there. So he's going to get a lot of chances. And I think he also had an interception in minicamp too. Which again, it's minicamp. It's throwing its air for the most part. But no, he, I th- I think he's he's got a good chance of doing something for this team this year. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's the, I'm running the risk that he may not even make the team, but I just think, again, not a star, but um, potentially an important role player, right? A, a guy that can come in to the defense and kind of continue this momentum that they've had the last couple of years. And I, I think, I, I think you said it, but I, what is he, 24 years old? Going to be 25 soon? I mean, he's still young. He's 27. Um, is he 27? Oh, I thought I said yeah. he was 25. Okay. Well, regardless. Um, Still very young. As someone is turning 27 in a few days, it's very young. Yes, yes. I I personally wish I was turning 27 in a couple of days. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm that's so far in the rear view for me, bro. I oh my god. Anyway, um, but still youngish. Yeah. Um, you know, and and 
I don't want to say, you know, his career could be in jeopardy if it doesn't work here, but I do feel like this is one of the best chances he's got based on the coaching, based on the track record of success that we saw with someone very similar in Eli Apple. Uh, it just seems to kind of make sense. And it also made sense to not bring back Apple along with Jones, because again, like even if like, obviously more depth is, is good at cornerback, but it seems like it's just two guys vying for the same role and they're going up against other guys. It, it almost seemed like there was just too many guys to fit, like, like not there weren't enough reps to go around for everyone to get a kind of a, of a fair shake. Now you have Sidney Jones taking over as that former high draft pick again, entering his late twenties and going up against a bunch of other young guys, right? So <laughs> mid to late, he, mid to late. He, he fits that role to a T. I think they did a good job of essentially replacing Eli Apple. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's the breakout player we've got this week. We talked a little Corey Dillon. We talked uh, we talked a lot of Corey Dillon. We talked uh, some Sidney Jones here, and we are cruising along. We're going to start wrapping up again. A little bit more abbreviated episodes in the summer. Um, we we have not really. I think we took. Did we take one week off, John? I, I can't remember. We're still kind of cranking out the material. We didn't I even take do. that week off. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. We did. We still Friday. went on Friday. Yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm such a taskmaster. Gosh. Um, hey, man, uh, let's drop the mic and get out of here. What do you got for us this week? A lot of stuff's going on, man. You have layoffs from The Athletic, layoffs from ESPN. Twitter's blowing up, so it's good to see some good news. Shout out to Jay Morrison. He's back on the Bengals' beat for uh, Pro Football Network. Yeah. Oh, damn it. And we always do this, right? <laughs> we always, always mind meld, right? It's all right. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, just a phenomenal guy. He's going to do great coverage for PFN, not behind a paywall this time. So I'm, I'm happy to see him guess, as, as expected landed on his feet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt a little bad because I didn't even notice it. Um, I just, you know, kind of kept chugging along. Um, and then I had, I, I kind of went back at, at some information and I saw, I think it, you know, that he wasn't with them anymore sometime in June, maybe or something. I, I, I missed it, but um really, really glad to see him continuing on. And uh, we, we got a, another great guy that we got to get on the show. Um, we've got to get a number of people on the show here. We've got a lot coming up here. We are going to do some, uh, some narratives on narrative videos type of stuff on the YouTube channel. And then, you know, hopefully some, some more special guests and everything. Um, so we'll, we'll be cranking along. Um, you know, I, uh, Man, I've got a story to share, but I don't I don't know if I'm ready to share it. Um, it, it happened about a week or so ago. I will just say this. I was at a um I was at a birthday party, a kid's birthday party. Um gosh, what was that? The second or the third second, I think, July second, Saturday, maybe. Um, the days all blended together. I couldn't even figure it out. But I was there and a specific um former Bengals player and his kids. Were there. I did not get to speak to this former Bengals player because uh, said player, said former veteran was kind of bouncing around a little bit. My kids were playing with his kids, but uh, I did not get to speak with him. But um, there is some, let's say this, there are some uh, commonalities between uh, our, our families. And so, you know, hopefully I can work on maybe getting that person on our show at some point. We'll see. But uh, it was kind of strange to be at this kid's party and go, oh, you're here. <laughs> yeah, you're, one, you're one degree away from uh, a former Bengals player. A former Bengals player, yeah, who's made a, a really good career for himself after his playing days. But we'll talk about that. I, I just, I want to say the name, but I just, you know, people at 
people and all that kind of stuff. And I don't really want, want to start that. I don't want to push that rock down the hill yet. You know what I mean? So maybe when we get, get things more moving, um, we'll, we'll talk about him a little more, but it was just funny to be at, I'm like, I'm at a five-year-old's birthday party and a former Bengals player is here. It's kind of funny. Those are the best five years old. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fun. It wasn't fun. Uh, wrangling around two kids running around by myself. I was, I was solo dadding that, uh, that day so that that well, that part wasn't that fun it was okay i love spending time with my kids but when you're running around you're trying to chase them around that that part's a little a little rough well i hope your kids were taking easy on on his kids because you know they you're, were you're, you're, yeah <laughs> they were um you know what yes yes uh you're you're allowed to guess um you're allowed to guess and let's hustle out of here because i don't want to have to admit who, <laughs> uh who it may or may not be but anyway this has been a lot of fun. Uh, we we talked some Corey Dillon. I never really get to talk Corey Dillon on the show. We got to do that. And John, thank you for for what you do for this show. And happy birthday, my man. What do you what are you asking for for um what are you asking for for your birthday? Uh, no surprise injuries for the quarterback. That's all we can ask for at this point. Really? Okay. You're looking. Yeah. You're you're going with the generous. The, the the generous outward now, i don't you know not something for yourself something for somebody else it, it so. is something for myself i don't want to cover that again it's, you know, it's painful yeah yeah well um at any rate thank you everybody for tuning in live thank you for tuning in after the fact we really uh really appreciate it we appreciate all the support we've uh believe it or not we're like on our i think our eighth year as a show um and so we've had we've got to talk to a lot of cool people we got to pretend like we know what we're talking about and uh meet a lot of cool people along the way fans and and others so uh just really appreciative and we're kicking off our next season and looking forward to that and like i said um go go check out that we're talk we talked Corey Dillon today so go check out um Bengal Jim show this Sunday because he'll be on it. And uh, at any rate, I'm glad you had a good fourth. I hope you have a good birthday, my friend. And we will talk to everybody soon. We'll be bringing you all kinds of all kinds of stuff and bringing you kind of more back to our standard weekly schedule as the Bengals start getting into preseason and training camp and all that good stuff. So, um, John, I'll see you, my friend. See you guys later.